Amen. Good morning, Grace Point. God bless you. Wasn't the praise awesome as usual around here? Well, where you go, get no better. Wonderful. Bless that team. Amen. Look over at somebody, ask them, are they ready for the word of God? Ask them, are they going to be just a hearer or a doer of the word? <laughs> Amen. God bless you. We're going to talk about steps. Everybody say steps. steps. Psalm 37, verse 23 and uh, 24 and 25. Reading the New King James Version, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by who? The Lord. The Lord. And he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Isn't that good news? David penned this when he was an old man. Now, it's enough that the Holy Ghost used him to write this, which is the Word of God. But the fact that he is penning this as an old man, he says, I have been young. How many of us are in that pile? <laughs> I have been young. That's kind of sad, isn't it? I have been. Not now, but I was. I have been young. But at least you're here to say, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Isn't that good? Amen. Come on, praise God for his word. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We can come up with plans. How many besides me that the way you planned your life, it didn't all take all the plans that you had? That's why I've prayed a lot of times trying to get God to do it the way I've got it planned out. But he never seems to follow my script. He never seems to do it the way I want him to do it. You know, and in the church, we're always talking about, well, God's always on time. He is always on time, but he sure misses a lot of opportunities to be early, don't he? He is on time, but he's never early. My experience tells me he just shows up sometimes by my watch, says he's late. But on his time... He's right on time. And I want to tell you something God's doing in all of our lives, either today or he will do it. You may, I don't know what step you are in right now, what, where you're at in the process, where you are in the stages of life. But one thing that I do know that the Holy Spirit is always doing, God is, is robbing us of our independence. Our independence is not good. And we are learning we are learning. It's something you learn to be dependent upon the Lord. In every area of our lives, we're learning that. And it's a, it's, a, it's a process. The very word steps implies process. Amen. And so let's get into this today as we pray and approach Father. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word that encourages us. I pray today that this church be edified and that Jesus Christ 
your Son, our Savior, be glorified. I pray, God, that you would help us to, to discern the steps, the process, the place that we are uh, uh, in motion with you. We would not despise, Lord God, the steps that you have ordered for us, that we would walk in those paths that you have prepared beforehand for us. We bless you today. We bless your people. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Shake somebody's hand, give them a big smile, tell them welcome to Grace Point before they sit down. Amen. So we don't hand me that water. <laughs> I thought I'd do without it. But. Thank you. Well, all of us have moments that uh, try the human soul, don't we? And if truth be told, there's a lot of times that uh, we just want to throw up our hands and quit. Um, discouragement is an equal opportunity tormentor. You say amen? So discouragement doesn't care what your social status is, what your bank account is. Uh, discouragement is, is uh, something that we all from time to time have to, to overcome to be able to keep going. And discouragement, if we're not real careful, can lead us to wrong conclusions about life. Like it did for the prophet Elijah. Remember that when he was in the cave out in the wilderness and things didn't go like he thought with Jezebel when she put out a death warrant on him. And so that wasn't what he had had planned. And so the Bible says he ran for his life and he made some wrong conclusions about life. In fact, he said life was not worth living any longer. You may be feeling like that today. It's just not worth living. Life's too hard. I hear that a lot now. Life's too hard. It's just too difficult. It's just, you know, and, and, and as David is talking, he says, I'm old. Old is not for wimps. I used to hear older people say that when I was in my 20s and didn't understand it. I'm approaching 60 in August. This month, well, this month. I understand it. I understand it. You'll find things, aches and pains. And you can't do what you used to do physically. You can do it in your mind. You better leave it there. Because your body will tell on you. But discouragement led Elijah to say, I'm the only one. Now, a lot of times we put that in terms of I'm the only one going through what I'm going through, but we're not, and you're not. But he said, I'm the only one serving God. I'm the only one that cares. I'm the only, thing that's only one that's trying to do anything for God. And remember, God came to him in the cave and said, I've got 7,000 besides you that have not bowed their knee one time to Baal. You're not the only one, son. And sometimes when we start feeling sorry for ourselves, think we're the only one, everybody else is wonderful and great and good, and we're the only one facing what we're facing, experiencing what we're experiencing, then that leads us to what Elijah was experiencing, depression, to the point that he said, God, take my life. Life's not worth living. But that was a wrong conclusion. And discouragement will also make us make some wrong decisions. We normally don't make good decisions when we're discouraged. We don't look at things properly. We don't evaluate things 
logically. We we just we're we're basing it off of the pain of the of the of the present and the moment and what we're going through. And so discouragement is bad for anybody to face, but it is particularly painful in the life of the believer. And one of the greatest things that bothered David, and I'm kin to him on this point because it also has bothered me off and on all my life, and I would like to tell you that at my place and station in, in, in life with God that I've arrived at a place where it doesn't bother me, but that would be a lie. And what was particularly painful for David is seeing the wicked seemingly go forward while the righteous are being held back. When, when it seems like that, see, I, I see people who, have, who don't serve God, they don't honor God in any way, and yet they seem so successful. In truth, to me, they seem like they're a lot happier than I am. They go on and do it and have resources seemingly without end, and you just don't understand it. it. It hurts your head. If you're not careful, you can get bitter. You can get bitter at God about it. I've seen over the years, I've been doing this now for pastoring for about 25 years. And um, I've seen where you have a young couple, and they're praying, and they love God with their heart. A whole heart, and they're, they're, they want to have a child. And it seems like every time, and they, they just can't get pregnant, can't have the baby, can't conceive, and they're struggling, and they don't understand why, and they, they're trying to come up with reasons, and then it seems like the news is filled with people throwing babies in dumpsters and don't even want them, and they can't figure it out. People that are living a life that is totally not honoring for God seems to just have, you know, more than those that are trying to walk the path that God has for them. And so it, it bothered David, and to be honest, sometimes if I look at the wrong thing, it bothers me. So I'm just going to preach to me today, try to dig myself out the hole, and if y'all get anything out of it, that would be a good icing on the cake. That's why David said in Psalm 37, this same psalm, he began it in verse 1, and, and, and this psalm is not written from a man to God, but it's written from a man, a man of God to other men, to us, in other words. And he's not talking to God, he's talking to us. And what he says to us is, do not fret because of evildoers, verse 1. Nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Why? Because they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. In other words, don't make a permanent decision about life over a temporary circumstance that you find yourself in. That was so good, I probably need to say that again, don't I? Just because you're in a painful place, don't make a permanent decision right now over what is a temporary passing circumstance. I know you've heard this, but one of the greatest verses in the Bible is, and it is used many times, and, and it shall come to pass. So whatever you in, it shall come to pass. The pain you're in, the difficulty you're in, it shall come to pass. Don't make a decision based on the circumstances that you find yourself in. Down in this same psalm in verse 7, David said, rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Domitian admonished us today to rest in that. 
We can rest. There is a rest for the people of God. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. We don't like to wait for nothing. You don't like to wait at the drive-thru for your taco or <laughs> whatever. You don't like to wait. Like you order a hamburger, and if it takes them more than two, my God, are they killing the cow? What are they doing? We are, as a people, very impatient people, Americans, I mean. We want to holler the order in. Don't even slow the car down. Just let them throw it in as we drive by. We're impatient, and we're like that with God when it comes to the things of God. And, and, but David said, wait on the Lord. Wait patiently on him. It says, do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Apparently, this really bothered David. He said, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. God, David says, this guy's wicked. He's, he, he's plotting and scheming, and, and he's so blessed. I'm, I'm living for God, doing everything I know to do, and I'm struggling. This really bothered David because this ain't the only psalm he complained about this. If you really want to take time, read all of this psalm. I don't have time today. And then the 73rd psalm. Man, David just goes after it. And David expresses in a psalm the expression of my heart many times. David said, I just don't get this. David said in Psalm 73, verse 2 and 3, he said, but my feet almost stumbled. My steps, everybody say steps. He said, my steps had nearly slipped. Now, why, why, is he, why is he stumbling or slipping? He said, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. David goes on down in verse 16 of that chapter, I believe it is, and he, he says that when I began to put my mind to this, in other words, when I, he said when I tried to understand this, he said it was too painful to me. David said it hurt my head. It was painful for me to try to understand the prosperity of wicked people. He said, I didn't understand it. It brought pain to my life. But the next verse in 17, he says, until. Until what? I went to church. That's what he said. They putting it up. Until I went. That's what he said. Until I went to church. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then and only then did I understand that this world and all these circumstances, all this right here is not it. You're not home yet. It ain't over yet. This is a journey. And, and life takes on all the different things at different stages and steps of your life. And it bothered David. And he struggled with it. And I don't know if I'm the only one, but I mean, I'm, how many of you have ever struggled with this? I've struggled with it. I've seen people just look, you know, as, I, as we say in the country, they, look, they live like the devil. <laughs> and just be blessed all over. Ain't never one time ever even been to church. Never sacrificed anything for God. Never gave up something on behalf of the Lord. Not, I'm, I'm not talking about getting saved now. I'm talking about doing things that, that you know that God ha has, has 
has ordained for you the path that he, he has laid out. He has, he has ordered your steps. And so you, you do your, your best, led of the Spirit, to walk in the path that he has for you. And in that process, there will be times in your life that you will give up things. This ain't all cotton candy and lollipops. In other words, there's things, but you, you give them up because you know God has directed you in those things. In other words, in a lot of times in our life, I had things that I thought, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Well, then here comes the calling of God. Now, I don't want you to feel sorry for, for me or no. I'm not, I, you know, I hate those testimonies like, well, I'd be a billionaire if I hadn't, you know, was a, hadn't served God. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't buy none of that. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about there are things in your life. You don't think people on the mission field today in foreign countries or sacrificing things, conveniences. They're, they're doing it for the kingdom of God. I'm telling you that the thought of even sacrificing anything to the American culture as a whole is a foreign thing anymore in the church. They're not even going to sacrifice their time, much less their resources or much less their life. It's always, you know, well, I'm going to choose a church, but what, what, what can that church do for me? You know, back in the old days, it was what can I do for the church? What can I do for God? But it's not like that. We're just like any other restaurant. You come, you don't like the food, you don't tip, and you go home mad. But this thing really is not about us and that independence, that individualism that serves us well in government does not serve us well in the kingdom. Everything in the Bible, God wrote all the scriptures to Israel, not to John Doe. And God always saw the collective body and again we've got to be connected to one another and that's something that is sadly missing I remember when I pastored another church many years ago and we were very traditional when I started the church in March of 91 and we had Sunday school at 10 church at 11 came back at 6 we had Tuesday night prayer Wednesday night Bible study and nobody didn't bother me too good you know too much because I was looking just like they looked and I remember telling God, I'll do anything you want me to do, Father. I was a young pastor. I just want to do whatever you want me to do. And, and, and God spoke to me with all my heart. I knew it was him. And he said, I want you to go to one. He, he questioned what I was doing. He said, why are you doing what you're doing? And, and when God talks to you, there, there's revelation that comes with it. He doesn't have to say the words you understand. And I knew his question in my format, my my cookie-cutter pattern that I was following. It was not evil, but God may want you to do something different. There's no point in being different for different sake, but if there's different for a purpose, then it can be great for the kingdom and for you. And God's not against Sunday school, but I mean, you, I know this will, you know, but it's not in the Bible, thou shalt have Sunday school. I will tell you something else that shocks you. It doesn't say that thou shalt have church on Sunday morning. 10.30 or 11 or 10 or any other time. And so God spoke to me. I felt like to go to one service, and we went to one service for a while on Saturday afternoons at 3 o'clock. I mean, Saturday, Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Oh, my God. Now, I knew when I did that, it could have cost me the whole church. I didn't know if they was going to follow their leader. Now, me particularly, the way I'm wired, I'm a morning person, you know. Some people will love me, well, I ain't going to go to church. That's my nap time. 
Well, come on to church. Some of you do that anyway. So it's kill, kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> and man, they started calling me a cult and everything else because we didn't meet at church time. I didn't like it. I remember when I felt like God spoke that to me, I said, well, what, you got to show me that in the Bible before I'm doing that. I didn't think he could show me because you can't show me 11 o'clock in there. You can't show me 10. You can't show me that. And then I, I remember the Lord said that Peter and John in Acts went to the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour, which is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I started looking and I saw so many verses in the Bible that talked about them gathering at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Jesus died at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. All kind of things happened at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It was the time of the evening sacrifice under the old covenant at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I said, well, I guess you do have it in the Bible. I announced it one Sunday and we met the next Sunday. Didn't lose anybody. The community went kind of wild there for a while. You know, it was just so weird to do it. And I didn't, my flesh didn't like it. But I'm the one that had wrote a check with my mouth and said, I'll do anything you want me to, God. Well, God was working more on me than he was. God's not after there's not magic at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. There's, no, there's not magic at 10.30. God just don't want you to be doing something just because for doing its sake. That's why I've never believed in playing the games in church. Everybody lift your hand and praise the Lord. Say hallelujah. I mean, I, that's, that's okay. I guess sometimes it fans the air and causes air to move in the... But I really doubt the real intrinsic value of it to God the Father. That'd be like you saying, Pastor Dale, hug Jill. Give her a kiss on the cheek, Brother Dale. I mean, she's hearing that. So she's not greatly moved because I'm not doing it out of my heart. I'm doing it because you told me to. So when I tell you to praise God, you're doing it because I told you to, not because that, that praise was in there. You, you see what I'm saying? But will, will you do what God says? See, when it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, that doesn't mean that every step you have taken was ordered by God, the way some people interpret that verse, because that's ridiculous. Boy, in some of our lives, they, I mean, there's people just had through tremendous difficulty. You think it was God's will for you to sleep under a bridge? No. God didn't order that for you. That was steps that we've taken when we made poor decisions and it led us in paths and directions that God didn't have planned for us. The, the Bible says all of our days, David said in another psalm, have been written in his book before any of them came into being. In other words, God has a plan for our lives. God has steps ordered uh, for us, and, but that doesn't mean everything that you and I have ever faced or gone through was by the will of the Lord. But what, what the scripture is saying is that God has a, has, a, has a plan and he has steps ordered for you. But it's up to you to be willing. That's what, see, when we talks about a good man, now don't confuse stuff here. Good man here does not mean good versus evil man. Actually, it's a very kind of a poor translation of a Hebrew word. And it actually means warrior or valiant or a determined or a persevering man. It's not good as in I'm good enough. I'm, I'm good so God likes me. So, no, 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 forget that. 
There's none good, no, not one, but Jesus. Okay? When it comes to eternal life, righteousness, holiness, all of those, we know from the New Testament, righteousness is a gift. It's amazing how many years I served God and didn't know that. When the scripture would say, you know, the, the prayers of a righteous man, well, then you try to find who the righteous man is in your church to get him to pray for you. That's why we did it. Well, go see that brother. He, he can get a prayer through. Prayer through what? I thought you said Jesus was in your heart. You got to make up your mind where Jesus is. Now, is he in your heart or in heaven? If he's in heaven, you're trying to knock a hole in the heavens, which all oh, that's crazy. I thought you said he lives in your heart. So all, the prayer you're trying to get through is your chest. That's where you're talking to. You said he lives in your heart. Y'all got to make up your mind what you believe. Where is Jesus? Is he not with you? Yeah, he's, he's in you. And you know what? You're in him. If any man be where? In Christ. He's what? He's a new creation. He's a new creation. And, and so, so just the fact that, that, that God has these steps ordained, ordered, that's what that means for you. But you still have the choice to walk in them or not. But they're there. And see, steps implies process. In other words, it's going to take a while. Now, I'm a visionary. And sometimes that's wonderful to be a visionary. And I think all of us are to a degree, some more than others. But to be an, a visionary sometimes can be a very painful thing. Because you envision things, your life, your future. You envision things and what you envision that you believe now is inspired by the Lord, but you're not experiencing it in the present. And, that, and, and the lack of experiencing it causes pain in your heart. And like David, I don't understand. Look at them people while they're blessed and look at me. Look what's going on in my life. And so that vision causes a lot of pain. But let me tell you something. God is not preparing a blessing for you. God's already done that. God's preparing you for the blessing. He's not working on the blessing. He's working on you. So if God, the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and comforter, now some of you think you never should be uncomfortable. Well, you wouldn't need a comforter. But one of the Holy Spirit's name is comforter. So you're going to be uncomfortable at times. Therefore, he's going to come and comfort you in your uncomfortness. I don't even know if that's a word. See how good I am? I can make up words. And so if God's teaching you perseverance... Guess what? It's not going to happen fast. You don't learn perseverance fast. Like, uh, God, teach me perseverance and do it quick. It's just, no, it's not going to happen. You may not even know what God's teaching you, but God, you're his kid and he's, he's teaching you. Now, your spirit is perfect. When you got born again, God gifted you in your spirit, man. Your three parts, your spirit, soul, and body. But the area you're struggling with is not your spirit, it's your soul. You struggle to live out of your spirit. The, the truth and the reality of what God's done in your spirit, man. That new creation. That part of you that's been joined and made one with the Lord. But yet you still have a soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotion. And that's where the struggle goes on. And so this process, the blessing released too soon is really not a blessing. You know, when my kid, 
my, you know, say one of my children was five years old, I could have had an automobile for them, but to release that car to them right then would be not a blessing, but a curse. And in the fact that I withheld the blessing at five that I had for them actually is a declaration of my love for them that I didn't give it to them even when they cried for it. Y'all follow me? Sometimes we get things too soon that we're not prepared to receive. A biblical example is the prodigal son. It wasn't, it wasn't the father's plan to give him his, all that money right at that point. And he just says, I can't wait around for you to die, basically what he was saying. Give me that portion that falls to me today. For whatever reason in this parable, the father released it to the prodigal. And that money that should have brought him closer to the father actually drove him away from the father's house. He was not prepared to handle it. And we see examples of that in our culture and in our news every day where people uh, have tremendous resources and finances and blessing and talents and they're not prepared to handle it and they self-destruct because of it. I had really rather God only released to me what he sees that he's prepared me to handle. Sometimes me and you, we look at stuff and go, I could handle it. No, it'd probably handle you. Amen? And so it helps me, though, to know that God has ordered my steps. And that, what that tells me is that I'm just not wandering aimlessly out here day to day. There is a path. There is a plan. There is a purpose for my life. And it's my responsibility to spend stillness and quietness and, and time with Father and just say, Lord, I want to walk in the path that you have for my life. I yield my heart to you and what you desire in the plan that you have prepared. Because in the world, actually, it's like a minefield. But he knows where all the mines are. I remember when I was a little bitty feller, my granddaddy was alive in those days and he was a farmer and he would walk out, you know, after that, he'd done that disc, that field and had that board falling behind that disc and man, it just looked, I mean, it was so beautiful. You just don't even want to mess, mess with it, you know, and then we would walk sometimes after he had scattered seed or done things and he would, and, and, and I would do my best to walk in his path, in his steps, in his footprints, not to put more footprints in the field. And I had to stretch pretty good because he had a big stride. You understand? That's the way it is with God. God's going before you. God's already half the path, but we have to stretch what maybe we think about it and walk in the path that God has for us. It helps me to know that God's not making it up as he goes. Actually, it says that he is already before time. He's, he's purposed this. And so God's not making it up. Now, let me tell you something what Brother Dale has thought. I thought God's making it up as he goes. It looked like to me he's making it up as he goes. It's not making any sense to me. This is not what we talked about, God, you know, 10 years ago. I thought at this time I would be and then fill in the blank. Anybody besides me can feel, take some filling in the blank. I thought at this age and station in my life I would be and then you fill in the blank. And what I'm presently experiencing is far from what I had wrote down in there. And I look back and that was the seedbed of many of my prayers trying to get God to get back on my plan. 
Because apparently he's not read the script and he's working it in a very haphazard way. And I would look around and say, I don't see any good coming out of this. I don't see any redemptive value in my life. All I see is pain, hurt, confusion, and lack. And God, you need to wake up. And that makes us say things like, where is God? Why God? But you can't win while you're whining. You got to decide if you want to win or whine. You can't do both. And I know you think God is, you know, the, oh, bless your heart, God. Oh, I'm so sorry, darling. Bless your heart. Come here, let me let Daddy hug you. It, he really ain't that, God. He's a, he's a great God. But God's not going to pour self-pity on you. In other words, he's not going to join you in your pity party. He don't want you standing around pointing, mm, see how big that mountain is. See how big my bills are. God's going to say, I told you to speak to the mountain. Don't speak to me about the mountain. It's just a lack of knowing that we have authority and power and dominion and a God that lives on the inside of us. Now, just because you say something, that don't mean, you know, the bomb's going to go off. God's, God, God's working on something. Now, I love it. David said, I was young, not now, but I'm old. See, the thing I have over y'all is I will always be young. <laughs> Someone's trying to figure out what I mean by that. My last name is Young. But David said, I'm old. You need to listen to old people. You need to honor old people. And when I say old, I don't mean that offensive. I mean that with wisdom. Honor the gray hairs. Once you learn from them and quit making the same mistakes that they did, they can tell you about them. Don't do that. It don't work. Listen to them. That's why God's got them around you. Listen to the story. Listen to what they said. I don't mean everything they've done, but they, they've seen something. That's why, you know, I'm not going to write a book, tell you how to raise kids. I ain't even got a kid. Book be number one seller. I ain't even got a kid. Couldn't spell kid. I don't want you to write a book, tell you how to start a church. Or, you ain't never even started a church. I don't want you to write no book on how to start a church, how to plant a church. You just need to get off the Internet. Listen to old people. David said, I, I, I was young and I'm old. When my life really got just really turned, you know, I got born again when I was 12. Had that season of whatever, of just, you know, idiot. And I've had some season of idiot since I've been, you know, thought it, I had it together. So probably got a few more in front of me. But I don't have them planned. But just knowing me, I probably got a few. But the point is this. From 19 till now, I'm 59. All I can tell you guys, and this, this is no preacher, this is no glib tongue, this is not some slick deal. It's just a real guy holding a microphone who didn't start serving God because I thought I wanted to be a preacher. It was as much a surprise to me as it was to my wife when I told her. She married a paramedic, not a preacher. I was not voted in my senior class book most likely to be a preacher. If they'd have had a category most likely to be dead before 30 and maintain his heathen status, that would have been what I would have won. I was well known in high school senior, but it was not for reading the Bible nor serving the Lord. 
Not proud of it, just the reality of it. All kind of ways that God's protected my life. But in 1985, the Lord really officially began to, to call me to do, you know, the pastoring and the things that he's put in my heart to do. But let me, let me, this is my point. You listening? Y'all are quiet, but I, guess, I think you're listening. So I'm, I, I was young, but now I'm old. And up to this moment that I stand on this stage with all the truth and sincerity and honest uh, that I know how to say to you and communicate, God has been faithful to me. And God has supplied for me. Nobody's ever come got my stuff. I've never been without. I, I, I've been what I consider without, but I've never been without food, clothing, and shelter. God's always been there. He's always provided in many Strange ways he's provided, but it's never been really kind of the plan that I wanted him to follow. And I've made some huge mistakes along the way. And yet in spite of those, he is still up to this moment. Now he, you know, you know, all I can tell you is up to right here. And as I look back, all these years he has provided far better than I ever thought I'd been provided for when I was a 20-year-old uh, 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 guy. He has. And, uh, and so that's the only thing that gives me courage in times like this. All I can say, well, he's, God's got a pretty good track record with me. And, I, and I've made some decisions and I've done things, you know, and I don't mean like, you know, don't be trying to figure it out. I've just made decisions that, you know, I've, I've done things, you know, where I've tried to help people and it, and it ended up hurting me. And uh, sometimes my heart's been really good, but my head should have gotten involved with it. I've loaned people, you know, borrowed money to try to help them and do things. And I really thought those things I helped was helping them to do. And I don't mean I give them $10. <laughs> we, we're talking over $100,000. But then when you don't ever get that paid back, that can really hurt your finances. Things can happen in your life. And you look back on it and go, well, that was stupid. Well, it wasn't really stupid. You, your heart was all involved. But there is a verse in Proverbs, in case you'd like to make that, you know, kind of check that one. Wisdom is the principal thing. That means the first door that you go through is the door of wisdom, and then it better be love after that. But if you make a heart emotional, I'm just, oh, I love you so much here. <laughs> you better throw some wisdom in the front of it, or you can make a real bad decision. See, I gave that for free. That cost me 126000 I just gave that to you all for free. But wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom comes before. And so, but God has provided. God has supplied. David said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. You say, well, I'm not righteous. Yes, you are. Righteousness is a gift given to every believer. That is clear Bible in the New Testament. It is called the free gift of righteousness. And when you got born again, you was gifted with righteousness. Righteousness is not something you achieve as a Christian. Righteousness is something you was gifted by Jesus Christ. And his righteousness has been gifted to you. And now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you are the righteous man whose prayers avail much. You are the righteous ones that God hears their cry always you're the righteous one and you need to start claiming the truth of your righteousness 
You are righteous. You may feel unrighteous. You may act and behave unrighteously, but you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So therefore, live out of the truth of your spirit man who is righteous and let that righteousness be seen among those on the outside and live true to who you are on the inside. Because the truth are, the truth is, you are the righteousness of God. You're righteous. And so when you sin, and you will, but hope you don't get in the habit of it, but when you sin, you know, you don't have to grovel to God. God. No, you, you've been forgiven. Just say, I'm the righteous of God. That's not who I am. I'm not going to behave like I'm not going to walk in that. That's not the path God has for me. He's ordered my steps. That's not the step he's ordered for me. Amen? Amen. And so you got to understand that, 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 that God's not making it up. Jeremiah chapter 10, I know I didn't give you guys this. Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 23 says, the prophet, he makes this statement. He says, oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. He said, it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. In other words, we just ain't smart enough to direct our own steps. You know, what? Well, I just do it however, I, you know, that's when you mess up. Now, we go to the New Testament, the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. This is what Paul says. Now, Paul says this is what happened to you when you got born again. We are his workmanship, created, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, all this has been prepared before. God's got a plan for your life. Your plan's not mine. You, you know, mine's not yours. But God's got a plan. Okay? And, and, and he wants us to walk in that. So God is, 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 again, he's not preparing the blessing for you. He's already done that. He's preparing you for the blessing. And when God gets you there, he wants you to be able to do something with it. Whatever that, whatever that is. Even Jesus had steps that he couldn't miss. Y'all remember in the New Testament where they tried to take him by force and crown him king? Remember that? And the Bible said he passed through the midst of them. And see, Jesus was literally saying, you can't crown me before you cross me. Jesus was saying, I can't skip a step now. Y'all trying to get me to skip a step and go on right on to the crown thing. He said, I got to go to the cross first before I can get the crown. You with me? See, a lot of us want the crown. We just don't want the cross that comes with it. We don't want, we don't want, you know, I, I want, I want, I want to see a resurrection. You know, who in your family you want to die? I just want to see the Lord heal the cancer. You want to get cancer so we can heal you? See, we forget that part of it. I want to see resurrection. You got to be dead first, then resurrection. Healing, sickness first, then healing. God's not doing that. I'm just saying, but you, you, we, we miss these things. Well, I want to see the Lord just really show up and manifest like he did Paul. Oh, you mean in the Philippian jail? See, you want him to show up on satin sheets while you're watching as the stomach turns or something. I mean, you know, you, but when, you, when your back's beating and you're in prison and, and, and if you need a visitation, he'll send you one. I don't pray for that stuff no more because everybody I see in the New Testament has one wasn't praying for it either. Bible say Paul and Silas in the jail. They wasn't, oh God, please come. They weren't doing none of that. They were just, they just getting their praise on. The Bible said they were praising God and singing at midnight. And all the other prisoners heard them. That means they were singing loud. No microphone. That's unusual. 
See, we don't understand. See, just like on, see, some of you can't praise God unless you're on the stage. As long as you're on the stage, you get your praise on. But when you're down here in the dark and the light ain't on you and you can't see as good, can you praise? Can you praise then? You should blow the devil's mind and praise him while you're in process and praise him while you're in the steps. See, now I'm, I'm telling you, I'm older, but when I was a young man, I couldn't flat foot that stage from right here. That means I know some of you can and don't come up here to show me because I ain't going to let you. Smarty britches. Stand here and just spring and flat foot and land on the stage. But you know what? They steps to the stage. And I got to get, and I can't skip them. Now see, God's got steps in your life. And if you skip it with Freddie, you're going to have to get that step over again with Johnny. Because you might have run Freddie off, but here comes Johnny, and you got to take the same step with Johnny that you skipped with Freddie. What am I talking about? I don't know. If you missed it with Sally, you got to take it with Susie. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you, well, you know, anybody, you know, at the job or whatever, you know, I mean, there's steps. I'm, I'm on, Brother Dale, will you pray? I, I just want to get a job where I just work with Christians. Oh, you really want to get hurt, don't you? You ain't strong enough to work with Christians. You better stay working with heathens because you know what they're going to do. But it's down there when you're working with the Christians that you think supposed to promote you, they'll step on you to go get that promotion. And then you're going to be coming back to me at church crying and whining and talking about, I just don't understand it, Brother Dale. I thought they was a believer. They believe in themselves. Where all that came from? That's, you could tell there's some hurt still being healed and processed in me. Now, it's not like that with every believer. And I'm not saying there's not good believers that, I'm, I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you, listen, your worst hurts now. And by worst, I mean hardest for you to overcome. Happens to, from your brothers and sisters in the kingdom. Now, I didn't just say that. David said it. David said in one of the songs, that's why I love David. Me and him, we, man, we like, we like that. I mean, I'm, I'm also like when David was praying in them songs, like, God, smite them, smite them, kill them, God, now. I'm like, yeah. But God don't answer them prayers, not even for David. But David said, had it not been the ones, he said, David said, I had sat with this brother and broke bread in the house of the Lord. And had it not been my brother, he said, I could have took it. But he's the one that hurt me. Man, it's them that break bread. You know what? The people that's hurt me the worst are the ones that has made the most dramatic declaration that they would, ne- you know, never leave and never leave the ministry. And, and I, I won't say this to you, and I don't mean this, you know, whatever. But I've been hurt worse by preachers. Now, I thought church folks could hurt you. They can. But I won't tell you, boy, preachers have gutted me. Used me. <laughs> Lied to me, abused me, cheated me, thugged me, robbed me, and they still preaching. They somewhere this morning with a microphone. Ah! They're just a preacher. The devil is a lie. They thug, robbed, stole, cheated. See, only me and my wife really know what I'm preaching about. She knows. You want to stand up and testify? <laughs> but you know what you got to do? Got to keep on keeping.
Got to stay on track. See, because if you let them become your focus, you're going to miss it. Now, one thing that you and I think about is like these altars up here. They're linear. We can say it starts here, it ends there. That's the way we look at everything. That's really a poor way to look at things. But that's how we look at it as people. Because we're born, it starts, we die, it ends. That's not the way it is with God. This is linear thinking. And all of our problems we process through linear thinking. But everything in our solar system, everything in our galaxy, everything is is circles, orbit. The Bible said God sits on the circle of the earth, and everything with God is a circle. God is himself a circle in the sense that he has no ending and no beginning. No beginning and no ending. He is not alpha here and omega there. He is alpha and omega at the same time. He doesn't have a beginning and he has no ending. Now, see, we can't process that with our brain. And so anytime in the old covenant when people had problems understanding the ways of God, God would always say you got to be taught about circles. So Jeremiah says, I don't understand this. It's too hard for me. I don't understand. And Jeremiah got so mad with God one time. He said, I will not speak of your name anymore. I'm not preaching no more. Last time I preached, they threw me in the sewage pit in Jerusalem, and I was waist deep in sewage. I ain't going to speak of your name no more. You ever felt like that? That's what Jeremiah, and God said, I'm going to send you down to the potter's house, boy. And he went to the potter's house. When Ezekiel got confused about the ways of God, God showed him a vision. He said, I see a wheel in a wheel. And showed him that circle. And when the children of Israel said, we don't understand the giants in the land, how are we going to take Jericho? It don't make no sense. You told us just to get our praise on and this great wall city is just supposed to fall. And God said, you don't understand. What I need you to do is I need to teach you about the circle. I want you to march around this thing in a circle one time every day for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to march around it seven times. And when you get on the seventh time, holler, shout, Joshua. And when they shout, the walls will come down. You need to understand about the circle. How many of them examples you want? So that's why if I'm standing in a circle, in the path of a circle, which is God's path, all I got to do to have God show up is just stand. See, I know he'll be, he'll be here in a little while. If you, if you want, if you want to see, listen, if you want to see the train come and and you can't see no train, can't hear no train, just go stand on the track. And if you stand on the track long enough, the train going to come. The train is going to come because that's what the train runs on is the track. And if you want to see God show up in your life, just stand still. Having done all to stand, stand therefore because God's going to show up. And when he comes, he's coming on time and he's going to be in time. God will not fail you. God will be there. God will show up and show off. All I got to do is stay on track. I got to just, what you going to do? I can't take a step right now. There ain't no step to take. I'm just, what you going to do? I'm going to stand. Stand in what? Stand in the word of God. Stand in the righteousness of Jesus. Stand in the power of the spirit. Stand on the verses in the Bible that promise me that my God shall never leave me. He shall never forsake me. I'm going to stand. And having done all to stand Stand therefore. I'm going to stand. Just stand there. 
We done gone Pentecostal in here, ain't we? <laughs> there are steps. There are steps. Yeah, the goal is the stage. But you got to take the step. I want this step to hurry up and get over with in my life. I do too. I know you want it over. But see, what you want, you just want to be rescued. And we, listen, and if we're not careful, I'm the world's worst daddy. You hear me? I will sacrifice my happiness today because I'm so focused on when I get there. You, you know what I mean by that? I hadn't told my wife this since yesterday. Boy, there's so many things going on right now in our life. There's things that just, you know, I mean, man, if I could write it. And it's, and it's just, it, as good as I know him, it's easy. To, I, it's not that I know he, I know he loves me. I just say I don't understand. I mean, God, what do you do? I mean, just, just here it comes, man. Just, you know, just hit, hit from this side, hit from that side, just, you know. What's going on? And, and what it is, and I told you that we were talking about something, and it, just, this, it can just be stuff just can rob you. And I was looking at them grandbabies running around. And I told her, I said, I'm not. I said, listen. I don't know, man. We're going to be all right there. I know this. We're going to be all right. God's going to take care of us. God's going to provide like he always has. may not be the way we thought. May not look like we thought. Now, I know we think when we get 60, we wanted to have a million dollars in the bank and, you know, be able to wear a straw hat, you know, drink your margarita on the pop-top beach or whatever the deal. But that ain't your deal. And I said, I'm not going to sacrifice. Because today, look at him. These grandbabies around here. I'm going to enjoy them. And I'm going to do my best with God's help try to learn how to smile while I'm on the step. I want to enjoy what's going on. It, it ain't pleasant, and I don't like it, and it don't make me sleep good if I think about it. But I can't sacrifice the joy of this day because this day's going to come and go, and it'll be gone. So while I'm in the process and in the step, and I ain't where I want to be, but I ain't where I used to be. <laughs> I, ain't, I, ain't, I, ain't, I ain't on the stage yet, but I ain't where I used to be. And so I, I, I don't have near the room, but I got just enough room on this step to stand. But I'm going to stand, therefore. And I'm going to praise him while I'm in this step. And I'm going to give him praise. Why? Because he's worthy of praise. I'm not just going to praise him for what he does for me or when it makes it feel good or when I understand it. I'm going to praise him when I don't understand it and when it don't feel good. I'm just going to offer up praise because he doesn't change just because my steps change. And so we, and see, the devil can't get, he can't get that. He can't get that, can he, to me? He, he, he hates, this is what you call step praise. We need some step praisers that are praised in step and not have to be on the stage. You're going to get to the stage. It don't, you ain't going to get there fast as you want to get there, but you're going to get there. If your heart is to follow the Lord, then that makes you a good man or a good woman. And the steps of a good man and a good woman, they're ordered by the Lord. And so you got another step coming, so just take the next step. Just take the next step. Well, I don't like it. It don't matter. You can't skip it. 
that you can't skip that step. And before long, you're going to be on the stage. There's going to be a lot more room. It's a lot more comfortable up here. It's, you got more room to walk around. But you're in a step. Some of you are living in a step. You got a, you got a house so small, you got to go outside and change your mind. Well, that, that, ain't, that ain't your permanent home. And by the way, let me remind you and us all of this. There are a lot of people around us that are living their lives and spending money and building as if they're going to live on this planet forever. It's going to be a shock to them, but they're going to die one day. They're not going to live here no matter how big you build it. If your car so long it takes three hinges to turn the corners, it's, it, it ain't going to make no difference. You're going to still go in the same box that the rest of us go in. Naked you came in, naked shall you return. But what matters in this life is the influence that you leave, the legacy that you leave, the things you do in this life for the kingdom of God and for the God of the kingdom. And, and it's easy in this world to lose sight of that. I've been with a couple of people last week. In the past week, I won't identify them and all, but, but they carried us to wonderful places. And, and, and man, the more I was around, I was at one place, and then we left that place and, and came home just for a couple of days and packed again and went to another place, you know. And both of these places is where multi, multi, you know, millionaires, gazillionaires, whatever live. And I was riding and looking and seeing, and I felt like I'm the poorest dude on the planet. I'm, I'm, I might not be broke, but I'm bad bent. I'm close to broke. I'm bent compared to these folk. And this brother was with me said, listen. He said, what you're seeing is just a very, very small percentage population of this country. You got to keep that in mind. Most of the world don't have what these folks have. And I have to fight my mind like David. Well, why wasn't I one of them folks? Because <laughs> I would have done better with what they do in least with. Well, you think you would but you never really know the acid test until you had it. Some of you, God bless you, you would never pick up a Bible or go to a church ever again if he released what you want him to release to you. You know what that would do? You would champion your independence. And you wouldn't necessarily for formulate it in these words, but you would say, I don't need anybody, and you would be saying, I don't even need God. But I don't care who you are or how much money you got. You can't buy your health. Now, see, some of y'all, if I let somebody testify, you would be praising God about crazy things. And some of these other folk in here, they wouldn't even understand it. Because you don't praise God about things that you ain't never had been without. But when you just praise God, you say, God, I thank you that I got my eyes and I can see. I thank you that I got my hands and I got two hands I can lift up in the air to you. Thank you, Lord, that I woke up this morning and I, nobody had to wipe the slobber off my face and I could take care of it myself and get on up and get my day going. And I, and I thank you for that. Some of you are saying, Lord, I, you know, I thank you that I was, be, I was able to buy my kids a change in their school clothes to start school this year. Thank you, Father. See, it's little things. It's little steps because there's been times in your life when you didn't have that. Lord, I thank you that, that I can go out to eat every now and then at a restaurant. We growing up, we didn't go out to eat, did we? Mom, we didn't have no money. You can't carry five head if you ain't got no money. We eat like crazy. I remember mom and dad buy bottle, you know, bottles of soda in wooden cases. <laughs> Google it. They used to exist. And they would bring, I don't know how many came in that, like 24 or something, I guess. 
But anyway, they bring, you know, every now and then they would bring those wooden cases. Me and my brother, man, we'd catch that case of uh, upper tens or whatever it was, seven ups or five. Man, we'd be about there, you know, we'd be popping them things off. We'd be chain drinking them. So they didn't last long. Because we was under mentality, ain't going to be here long, and I got to get mine and just see who can drink all of them the fastest. And by one or two days, we had all 24 drinks gone. Then you can go around for another month without some. Bless God, we got it while we had it. That's that mentality. Not going to be enough. But see, just to praise God and acknowledge God, whatever phase, step that you find yourself in. And I want to say this to you. This country, and even what it just suffered, and you've probably seen the news, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, my heart breaks for those people in El Paso. Uh, senseless killing there, and just, you know, somebody just killing people. And we live in a culture that the evil is really seemingly overcoming this nation, irregardless. And I don't mean that to be depressing. You know I'm not usually a depressed guy. And I'm not saying that in a depressed way. I'm just saying this to admonish you in this. My Bible says, Romans 12 and 21, do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. So the problem in, in, in America as a whole, broad brushstroke, is not this, that, and the other. It's there's not enough good. There's not enough good. There's not enough dispensers of good. And again, I'm not talking about good versus evil as far as good. And I'm, I'm so good, I don't, you know, God's going to take me to heaven deal. That is gifted to us from Jesus. But I'm talking about because that God has made us a new creation living out of that. There's something in us that attracts people. Right here on perimeter, day before yesterday. I mean, that's a big station right there at Bemis and Perimeter. Nice new one they just built. Man, they pumps all up and down that thing. I don't even know how many pumps they got. It's a lot. And so Friday afternoon, cars everywhere. And I'm there in my Ford pickup, you know. And out of all the pumps there that are available to pull in and other people are fueling up, a lady pulls up by me. I was talking to my wife on the phone. And uh, she came around the pump and I thought, you know, what's she coming? You know, this is my side. <laughs> this is my side. <laughs> but she came around the side and, and she just had that look of desperation. I told you from time to time God used me to help people at the gas pumps. Just a gift. She walked around the pump, and I could look on her face. I didn't know what the problem was. She had this little bitty car pulled up. And uh, so I hung up with my wife, and uh, I said, yes, ma'am, what's, what's, what's going on? And she started crying. And she said, I was here visiting a friend. I live in Atlanta, west of Atlanta. My brother lives in Columbus. My car's running hot. He, he's diagnosed it by me telling him that my thermostat's probably stuck and this and that. She went into explaining, and she didn't have no money. And, uh, and so I said, well, let me, let me fill your, your car up for you. And she wasn't really wanting me to necessarily, she wasn't really asking for gas, but I knew she needed gas. And that little bitty car took $27 worth of gas. That tells me it was empty. And I said, I can do what I can do. I said, now, you caught me at a bad time. I got four $1 bills on me. That's all I got. <laughs> that would be four more dollars than Justin Young, my son, has. He never has no cash on him. <laughs> all my youngers, if they, ain't got a car, if they don't take a card, they're like, what? You don't take cards? They get offended. <laughs> I 
I always try to have a little cash, but she just happened to catch me when I didn't have any. I done spent it. <laughs> and I said, that $4 ain't going to make no difference. I said, now here you can carry your car to this place, because I do know these people and they won't rip you off. It's a good place here in town. You carry them to your car uh, in, the, in the morning. They'll be up on Saturday. You carry it here. Tell them check your thermostat and whatever. And now you got your, your vehicle. Just a little act of kindness. It was good. So I fuel up at, at King Ranch. That bad boy took $69. So when I met my wife at a restaurant, because we was meeting with a preacher to have dinner with him, and so I was running so late, I just, she had to bring me a shirt to, you know, change out of my Superman clothes back to the regular guy. And I went in to have, and I always tell her, because she's the keeper of the checkbook. You women do good at that. So I said, you need to put in there a couple of debits. And I said, I filled my truck up, and it was 69. But I said, I did another fill up for 27. You got a spare tank on that thing? Would you? I don't know if that's going to change the world for that woman. I didn't tell her I was no preacher or nothing. I didn't try to get her saved. You just believe in speaking into it? I mean, none of that. Just, just acts of kindness, goodness. Now listen to me. Closing with this. One person out of every 100 people, I didn't make this up, they say, in America is in prison. One out of 100. We are building far more prisons than we are churches. The one thing we're building is prisons, not churches. Something's wrong, y'all. Now, we just need to wake up, don't be selfish, and say, God, you've put something great and good in me, and that's Jesus. And you put me in him so you could treat me like Jesus. Let those good works that have been prepared beforehand by God be seen of people. And you never know what it would take to change their life. And just be alert. You don't have to go around with a big sign. I guess I admire the people that want to get out there and holler at the stop corner and you know, and t holler at people to get born again and all that, but I just don't think they have many converts, okay? What I think that draws people is what the Scripture says, is that's just the love of God draws them to Him. And when you go out of here today, all you got to do is just say, Father, I'm your kid, you're my daddy. I just want to show forth your goodness to people. And whatever way that is, something is simple and, and just it's $27, that's, I mean, you know what I'm saying? You could say, well, she was this, she was that. Let me tell you what I did. I did it unto the Lord. She ain't going to siphon it out of there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to power that car. Okay? I don't know what God's going to give you an opportunity this week to do. But if we'll just show forth the kindness of God, then maybe we'll start back building more churches than we are prisons. Because the Bible says, overcome evil with good. Now, what happened in El Paso? That was evil. What me and you have the capacity to do is good. We try and go to heaven, our goodness. We're just trying to get people to see that good God that lives on the inside of us so that they may also be desirous to know him. And it may open up an opportunity to witness on his behalf or talk to him about the person that we love and we say we love so much, and that's Jesus. Let me tell you why my heart is so open to help you. Because the Lord is blessed, you know, whatever it is. Amen. You received God's word today. Do you feel encouraged? Come on, give him praise if you do. Stand to your feet. Now, I don't know what step you're in.
I tell you, some of you, and, and just, you may want to come up just symbolically at the end of this thing today, just walk up these steps. It's just an act of faith. And say, you know what? I'm going to take every step, and I'm not going to skip any. Painful though it may be, perseverance is going to be necessary and needful, but I'm going to take the steps. And Lord, I want to know the path you have for me, because you've ordered it. I've walked a lot of times in what I ordered. didn't turn out so well. Maybe I'll give your path a try a while, huh? Maybe I'll walk in the path that you've ordained, ordered for me. And I want to tell you something. Lest you think it's difficult, I promise you, God will make it real clear what he wants you to do. You'll make it very clear that you'll actually have to be disobedient. He'll make it that clear to you, and you can walk in that path. Amen? God bless you guys today. I want my elders to come and, and the community group leaders, would y'all come and just help us. And we just want to be here in case you want prayer. If you don't, hey, man, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll you know, we're going to ease right on out with you. But we're going to dismiss the church. But if you're here at Grace Point and you just say, I'd like to talk to somebody, I'd like to pray, you know, with someone, I'd like someone to pray with me, the greatest encouragement I can give you today is just to receive Christ if you don't know him as your Savior. And how do you do that, preacher? Believe on him. Believe in his goodness, believe on him, and that's what the Bible says. Believe on the Lord and thou shalt be saved. Believe that he is and always will be your Savior, your God. And I love that David said, I was young, I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous, what? What's the next word? Forsaken. Everybody say forsaken. David said, God has never forsaken me, never. David made some huge mistakes. He murdered a guy. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. He made some huge mistakes with his kids, horrible mistakes with the kingdom. But you know what he said? He said, I'm an old man now. God never forsaken me, ever. David had some worse days, some bad days. But he said, on those days, I was never forsaken. And that was under the law. How much more is God's goodness poured out to us under grace? Amen. Now, I want to tell you something. He'll never forsake you. He's not going to forsake me. And he's proven that to me. You'd think I would know it and worry less. I mean, I'm a kid in process, man. Y'all need to pray for me. But I do worry, and I focus on wrong things sometimes. But I know this. When I look at his track record with old brother Dale, he's been awfully good to me. In spite of me, he's helped me. Because he doesn't change. And I just want to display more of his goodness so the world can see it. That the world may see, that the world may know, Jesus said. Amen. So, Father, we love you, and we're so grateful that we're loved by you. I pray today that your goodness would be shown through our good works, that we walk in the path that you've ordered for us. Let every one of these good men and good women know that the steps, their steps, are ordered of the Lord. In Jesus' name. God bless you, Grace Point. Love you guys. Hey, if you want prayer, come up here. We're waiting to meet with you. Have a great day. God bless you.
As the deer pant for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Jesus are my heart's 